Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. My name is Dan Levy, and with me as always, the Golden Glover, the Silver Slugger, the former All-Star. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him best as Brett Boone. What up, Booner? Hi, Danny. Booner? Good morning. I gotta tell you, it's a day away from Thanksgiving. What are you doing? Are you making the bird? I'm not. We're gonna have uh, this Thanksgiving, we're gonna do it with mom and dad. I got all the kids home, so... Uh... Yeah, should be fun. You're not cooking? Fun. I was hoping you'd be the one making the turkey. I am not cooking. No, I haven't cooked the bird in years. Well, that is pretty clucked up. Well, the one thing I am thankful for this year is that you brought me one of the best hitters of all time in baseball, and he's on with us today. A 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, three-time NL MVP, NL Rookie of the Year, 2004 NLCS MVP, a Golden Glover, a Silver Slugger, a two-time NL Home Run champ, and one of the best to ever do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Albert Pujols. What's up, Albert? Hey, guys. What's up? Thanks for having me. Well, we are very thankful for having you on. I believe you know the Brett Booner. I look forward to your guys' chat. Brett, take it away. Hi, Albert. I want to say thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, man. And uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving. We... We squeezed it in, but uh, this ought to be a good one. This is going to be your 20th year in the big leagues. And, and uh, wow, that's pretty awesome. You started in, in 2001, mm-hmm. and I remember you as a young pup on the Nike trip and, and uh, you know, guys giving you a hard time. You were the rookie that year. And, uh, wow, we're, we're 20 years later and all the places you've been, all the numbers you put up, uh, just, just talk. I mean, you're one of the few guys really that, that, you know, you kind of transcend eras now. So you were in that, that late nineties, early two thousands era, you weren't in the nineties, but you, you lived through that generation of hitters and, and, uh, just, just that era. And, and now you're all the way to 2020 with, with spin rate and exit velocity and, and a new way of thinking launch angles, just kind of <laughs> give me an over, give me an overview of your 20 years. Well, buddy, it's, uh, it's obviously a different era that we are playing right now than what we play, you know, back in 2001 when I got to the big leagues. But I think for me, one of those things that, that I always done is, you know, uh, I do my own scouting. I, I, you know, I follow a little bit of what they give me to the recording all that. But I think at the end of the day, as a hitter, as you know, you did a, you know, one of the things that you did great was that. I mean, you did your homework and that's why you had the success that you had. And I believe that new things are always great. But I think, you know, with the success that I have, I thank God first for giving me the ability and the talent to, to be able to perform at this level. And, and be consistent with it. You know, obviously my best year were, were in St. Louis and then my download year here with the Angels now <clears throat> because through injuries, you know, I mean, the pace rate that I had in St. Louis from 2001 to 2011 was pretty, <clears throat> pretty crazy. You know, I averaged 42 homers, like 127 RBI and like 332 buying average, something like that. It's just, it's crazy. You know, people, I always tell people, I'm like, if I would have done that the rest of my career, I mean, they call me the machine, but I'm not a machine, you know, it would have been, you know, something unbelievable. But I, I think what I see now, man, is just new generation talent, you know, the talent is unbelievable, you know, it's, uh, hitting is tough right now, you know, you're facing every three or four innings, you're facing a new guy, if it started out of there, you know, you're facing uh, two or three different guys out of the bullpen that you don't see much. 
you know, unless they're they're in, in the division <clears throat> that you play in. So definitely a different era, uh, stuff that you had to always, you know, make an adjustment. And, and, I'm, and I have been able to make that adjustment. And, you know, I got one more year left in my contract. I, I want to honor. I want to stay healthy and, and see where we go from there. And I'll tell you, Albert, you, you touched on um, something that's interesting to me. And you, you talk about the talent level and, and, and how it's different now. And I think what I've seen from, from my time uh, to the current day is I, I remember those, you know, and I'm sure you still have them. Before each series, we usually sit down and we have a hitters meeting and a defensive meeting, pitchers meeting. And and I remember just going, okay, you know, let the key is let's get this guy, let's knock him out of the game and get him into their bullpen. Now, mm-hmm. now in 2020, me now being removed from the game a few years and, and watching as a fan, I think maybe you I don't want to get into that bullpen. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't rough that starter up too much because we got a hundred coming out of the pen from the right side, from the left side. And uh, yeah, I think that's one mm-hmm. thing that I've noticed as a, you know, as an ex player, uh, that the game has changed in that way. But, but I think, you know, when I was looking at, at some of your, uh, you know, I was looking, going through your career and your stats and, and, uh, I, I was interested on your, on your upbringing and I, and I think you were born here, but you, you grew up in the Dominican Republic. Is that accurate? No, I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic. And then, uh, Oh, you weren't, you weren't born. Okay. You weren't born there. Yeah. Then I came and then I came to the United States when I was 15, 15 years old. You were 15 years old to a small town, Independence, Missouri. Just down, oh, okay. Royal, just down the street from the Royal Stadium. And and tell me a little bit about what it was. Uh, you know, we know what it's like on the on the state side, growing up here and and going through you know the the typical high school and and little league and and travel ball. What's it like growing up in the DR? Just to to bring those people in on the podcast listening, how how that is different from what it's like here to growing up in the Dominican yeah. Republic. I watched Mariano. I watched a recent video of Mariano Rivera, and, and you know he talked about his childhood and how he used to make his glove out of a cardboard box. It, is, <laughs> it, is any of that true? Does that go on? Yeah, yeah, same way here, buddy. I mean, I grew up and I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic. You know, uh, I, I spent my uh, young years, you know, were great years because you know I, I remember, you know. Like now, I tell my kids, you guys are so spoiled. You got TV, you got pool, you got uh, <laughs> iPod, you got phone at eight and ten years old. I didn't even have that, you know. Um, I remember when people used to use those flip phones and satellite phones, you know. I mean, they, they, it, it's just crazy. But, uh, you know, just like Mariano say, I mean, I grew up like that. I used to wait until we were done with the milk cardboard. So when they threw it away, I would grab it and then smash it down. And just make a glove out of it. And I would have played with, with a, a lime or lemon, you know, from a tree and, and just have fun with that. Uh, we used to, you know, uh, I used to grab my grandpa sometimes socks and put a newspaper in there with a rock. And we used to make a baseball out of that. You know, we used to play uh, with a broomstick and, and then uh, a water cap, you know, those uh, big gallons of water, that cap, uh, that green cap, and now they're all colors like blue or, or pink. But we used to grab those, and we used to play in the street at Kobe Tilla. 
and you know it was it was fun you know that's where baseball were really introducing to me you know at age five you know my dad and, and my uncles and I come from a big family they love the sport you know a lot of the women's they they play softball or, or volleyball you know a lot of my aunts and then a lot of my uncles just play either softball or baseball and for me it was really easy it was in the vein you know and and I think if you talk to any kids I, I think about 85 percent or 90 percent of the young kids you know they love the game of baseball that's in our blood you know that's that's what our country the Dominican Republic is known for you know that's the main sport so uh, a quick story and I don't want to make it too long but uh, you know when I was about five or six years old I went to this uh, it was like a boys club where they had different you know uh, a sport you know tennis basketball baseball swimming and all sport then, you know, and my dad, uh, you know, brought me in so I can pick a sport to play. Well, the first sport that I picked, it was boxing, bro. And we were like a couple of hours training, whatever, towards the end of the training, you know, they put, uh, they put me uh, to fight with a kid that was about three years older than me, bro. And he knocked the crap out of me. I mean, <laughs> knocked the crap out of me. And I was crying. I took the gloves out, was crying, went to my dad, like, I don't want to do that. And then the next day I went back there and I choose baseball, you know, and, and, you know, it was, I think, I want to, I want to find out who that kid was because I think it was a blessing from the scar that he knocked me down because I ended up making the right decision, which he was playing baseball, you know? So, you know, it's, uh, it's like that. It was really easy for me to pick that sport. I come from a big family. They love, they love sport. And, uh, you know, it was, it's been a blessing, man. It's been a blessing. I've been playing this game now for, you know, they're getting a baseball for 35 years, almost 34 years, you know, uh, 20 going into 21 years in the big leagues, uh, you know, 22 years as a professional. Uh, it's pretty special and as a blessing. And as you say early when you were introducing to me, I mean, I'm like the grandpa pretty much in, in the game of baseball right now. You know, <laughs> like there's nobody pretty much from my era from 2001 or even to 2004. I think the only ones are like Wainwright and Jaddy, those guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely you're. I, I like the way you put it. You are the grandfather of baseball. When I watch you play now, I think, wow, Albert's been playing a long time, and we got to play. Uh, you know, the last time I saw you was at the golf event. I said, "How are you still doing it?" You know, it's it's pretty it's it's a pretty awesome thing. So you come from the Dominican. Uh, you move stateside. Uh, I think when you were 15 years old. Um, and you end up being you, you end up being in the draft. And you end up going in the thirteenth round. What they miss? Yeah, thirteenth round, bro. Four oh two in the draft, and it was it was really uh, you know it was a little bit frustration uh, at that time. I was a little bit frustrated because everybody, bro. And one thing that any time I have the opportunity, I hope there's so many listening right now, young kids and and probably guys that are getting ready to jump and to be a professional. Man, I remember that I used to do. You remember the area called the the where they had it here, Long Beach, uh, where mm -hmm. you know you're a top prospect in high school. The area called, and then now they they call it something else. But they had the area called back there where they put a lot of the prospects from high school and and college, and they bring them in to do a tryout for like three days. And I did a couple of those uh, uh, tryouts. And I remember in 1999 being in Tampa Bay in Tropica Field, and they told me, you know, Tampa Bay told me that they were going to pick me in the first two rounds. And, 
you know, Fernando Arango was the scout back then. You know, he passed away a couple of years ago. He's the, he was like my mentor, you know. Uh, he was my guy. And, and I was like, man, I was so excited. And that didn't happen. You know, draft day came 1999. And I, and I ended up going in the, in the 13th round, you know. And uh, I was really frustrated because I felt like, man, I was going to be one of the top pick, and that didn't happen. Josh Hamilton was the first pick that year. And you know what? But I, I always believe that everything – God knows our plans. He knows everything, man, and everything worked out, you know, for your best. And, and that was the best thing that happened for me. Uh, I got drafted by St. Louis, and a team that never – I never met the, 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 the scout until that day that I was getting ready to sign, like, I, oh, that day that I got drafted by him. Like, I never really met anybody from the Cardinals. Like, the guys that normally came around and, and watched me play, the teams were Kansas City, Mets, which it was Larry Chase with the Mets, uh, Pittsburgh, and then Tampa Bay. Those were, like, the, the two teams, you know, the four teams that were scouting me for the most time. And then all of a sudden, draft comes, and I got drafted by the Cardinals. like, what? You know? And, you know, but the, before that, bro, I got drafted by the Mets in the ninth round. And I didn't know that until they told me later on that my guy that I had as an agent was asking too much money for that round. And they had to let me go. Then I got drafted the next round, which was the 10th round by Boston, but they didn't want to pay for my school. And I was like, you know what? If they don't want to pay for my school, man, this gang, you have to be lucky to make it. But my, my school... If they can pay for my school, that's guaranteed. You know, I can go to school and, and, and graduate and be professional or whatever I, ha I choose to do. And that to me was really important. You know, I want to make sure that, that my education was taken care of first. You know, if my education taken care of first, if I'm making a baseball grade, if I don't, then I know that I'm, I'm set with my education, you know. And then they didn't want to pay for my education. Then the Cardinals came and, and drafted me and, you know, they signed me for I believe it was like 37000 or something like that. And I got like 14000 or 15000 like after I paid taxes and all that stuff. And, and that's what saved me my first year in the minor league, man. If I wouldn't save that money, I would have struggled big time. And I only spent one year in the minor league. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's phenomenal. Because usually when, you know, in the traditional draft, uh, it's very rare that somebody's picked in the 13th round, all of a sudden's in the big leagues a year and a half later. And that's where, <clears throat> you know, we got to see Albert Pujols for the first time. And, and I talk about the Nike trip for, for those of you listening to the podcast. A Nike trip is is something that's been going on for years. And, and Nike and Vet, uh, invites 10 or 12 players and, and their spouses or, or their wives. And uh, you go on this trip and, and it's different every year. And, and Albert came in after his uh, rookie of the year, 2001. He was the rookie. That's the first time we got to meet him, but there's some pretty prolific players that get invited on this trip. And yeah, like I said, you were the rookie and we always give the rookie the hard time. I remember it. It still stands out to me. <laughs> We were going to play golf. I said, hey, Pujols, go get my clubs. And here comes Albert running with my clubs. But I'll tell you, yeah, don't get I, me wrong. Know, one, one, one thing that uh -huh. I enjoy about those trips, man, that you guys were like the guy. They, 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 even though you know, I had a great year that year, but I always, you know, you guys were the the men. You know, you guys made that Nike, who Nike, like you guys opened doors for, for us, for the young guys and so many guys. So that respect was always there, you know, you, Richie, I mean, whether it's, uh, wow, what was, uh, 
AJ. I mean, we had so many guys that year. Mike Sweeney. I mean, you know, we got really, really talking about big names, man. Nike always select the big names to go on the street. So for me, it was an honor just being around you guys. And at the same time, even though, um, you know, I didn't ask you guys a lot of questions. It was like, I look at you guys too, the way that you guys handle yourself, man. And like the, the way that you guys talk about the gang. And, and it was, it, it was registered to me. Anytime that we got a little shy. And remember, bro, when we went to the bowling alley and we were playing? <laughs> yeah. That was the first time. I, I, that's the first I time do. I ever bowled with you. You introduced me to bowling, you know? <laughs> You're like, yeah, you throw the ball like this. And I didn't even know how to hold the ball. I mean, it was a great, great time, you know? And I think, and I think you know, Booney, that's something that I always believe, bro, that Yes, we make a lot of money here. Yes, we, we put good numbers. But at the end of the day, man, it's the relationship that you build in the field that that sticks with me forever. Like I can, I, I, I saw you, you know, just last year, you know, at the, and, and that, oh, this year, early this year, you know, and, uh, and that golf outing, man. And it was like, if I would see you every day, like, you know, the way that I talk to you, hug you and like, Hey, how's everything? And I think that's something that I think as a professional athlete, we, we've been blessed there. That we build a great relationship in the field, and even though you retire ten years from now, man, if I see you, we we almost gonna treat each other like like we brothers, you know, and that's something yeah. that that we bless with it. And it is special the, the that baseball union that we that we have amongst each other, all our peers. And and I'll tell you this: as much as you were a rookie, and we gave you a hard time. Believe me, behind the scenes, <clears throat> all the veteran guys there, we knew how good you were. We were watching you. We said, this kid's going to be something, you know, and, and it was, you're, and you're coming off the rookie of the year. And we were thinking, no, this kid's going to be like legendary. So, so as much as we were giving you a hard time, we knew. And, and now we sit here 20 years later and I'll tell you, I've had you know, the Boone podcast. We've had some pretty prolific guys on here and some, and some, you know, a, a lot of Hall of Famers. But I was looking at your numbers, and I'm looking, at, and I'm going, all right, he's got the 3,000. He's over 600 homers. But I think you're the first guy that I'm talking to that that I can legitimately say, you're chasing Hank Aaron's RBI record. Nobody else. <laughs> and, you know, I've had Junior on here. I can't say that. He was never legitimately chasing it. You're at 2,100 ribbies. That's like, mm-hmm. I, to, to, to us players, we, that's a number we don't even, isn't really discussed. Even amongst the oh, greatest no, no. Oh, that bro, in this game. Oh, bro, don't talk about RBIs right now because they're talking about RBIs are overrated. <laughs> you know, that's what I, I, I hear that, and, and I always think of you, and I'm like, yeah, tell Albert they're overrated. I'll tell you what, I'll still want my RBI guy. That's the one, that's the guy I want, the guy that knocks him in. And right now, you're, man, what are you, I think you're third in the history of the game. But I just want to tell you what, well, especially from our era, that's how we were gauged. The guys mm. that drive in the runs were the man. And uh, mm. I'll, uh, it's it's pretty awesome that we're even well, talking. That's how, yeah. you, that's how you win runs. I mean, that's how you win a gang, I'm sorry. I mean, it's, it's, it's driving <coughs> runs. I mean, if you don't drive runs, you can't score. I mean, and, and you get – I understand right now the game has changed and you want to throw – this and that and words and all that. But, I mean, it's cool that, man. I mean, at the end of the day, man, I want to have somebody in there that has the experience to drive a run when it's need to because that's how we're going to win games, you know? 
And I believe the more opportunity. I mean, I remember too, like, man, striking out that's something that I that I don't like, never like in this game, you know. And and I mean, thank God I never have strike out in my entire career over a hundred times, you know. And now people strike out two hundred times and they celebrate it like it's just another thing. And I'm really prideful when it comes to that. To strike out, man, I don't like it. Like I would say, when you strike out, I feel like it's almost you're making two outs because if you can put the ball in play. How many times, Booney, you know, you've seen that you put in the ball in play, you put so many pressure on that defense, they make an error, and all of a sudden you start a rally with two out and you score five runs. But if you strike out, man, like you had no chance, you know, to start a rally. So, you know, it is what it is. What it is. You know, the game is changing. I mean, 10 years from now, we're going to talk about it. It'll be something else, um, you know, and then 10 years after that, it'll be something else. So, but I think the biggest thing is, the adjustment, you know, that we that we had to that we had to make, and and you know, I came in an era where there were great, great hitter and great pitchers, and I'm in an era where there's a lot of young talent right now and great pitching and great bullpen, you know, and and you know, I'm glad that I'm able to compete in that era back in 2000, from 2001 to whatever 2015, and I'm glad that I'm that I can still compete, you know, with this era, you know. Let's go to St. Louis. Uh, you won two World Series there. You won three MVPs in St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. Arguably one of the best 10 years offensively in the history of the game. Talk about St. Louis and, and when it was time for you to move on, uh, how tough that was for you. Yeah, but I mean, St. Louis uh, has a, uh, St. Louis is a special play. You know, it has a special play in my heart. I mean, that's where everything begins for me. I mean, even uh, last uh, <clears throat> last year, you know, when we got a chance last summer in 2019 to go, uh, after eight years that I was gone, I mean, the way that the, the San Luis Cardinals fans received me and my family and my and, and my friends, I mean, it was pretty special. I mean, there there's nothing like it. There's nothing like San Luis. The, the fans are, that's why they're the best fans in baseball. Great organization that, you know, I was able to play, uh, I would say, arguably one of the best managers in the game, Antonio La Rosa, uh, for 11 years, you know. There was nothing but winning with him and preparing ourselves, um, you know, teaching us how to win uh, with his routine, mentally getting us prepared to play every single day, day in and day out. And as you know, man, the, the 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 Cardinals, we were the Yankees in the National League, pretty much. You know, there were nobody else that went more more serious than than in the National League than the Cardinals after the Yankees. So, I think you know it was a, it was something that it was a blessing for me having so many great players too, uh, Edgar Renteria, Plastico Polanco. Then later on, we got Larry Walker, Gene Emmons. You know, there Mark. I was able to be there with Mark Murray Wire his last year, so I was able to pick his brain and literally, you know, became one of my, my closest friends, you know, and somebody that I can call and talk about hitting all the time, you know. He's, he's my neighbor right now here in California. So it's just a great relationship that I built and great players that I have around me that help me and tell me, you belong here. You don't have to try so much. So for me, it was really easy to get used to, to that environment, and just let my talent, you know, take over and perform. So, uh, you know, nothing but the best, man. Uh, I always wish the organization the best, except when I play against them. <laughs> you know, I was rooting for myself. 
but I was rooting for those guys, you know, and and when it was time for me to leave, man, it was tough. It was tough because I never thought that this game was about business until I had to go through a free agent year, you know, and it's uh, really find out that it, it was difficult. It was difficult for both sides. And you know what? At the end of the day, you know, uh, it worked out for them and it worked out for me, you know, coming over here with all the injuries that I have, you know, be able to DH. I don't think that's something that I was going to be able to do if I was hurt internationally, you know. So I don't have anything but praise for that organization because they gave me the opportunity uh, to develop myself. I always say that that city embraced me as a young little boy and I left as a grown man at age 32. I still have my foundation there, my headquarters there. I still involved doing a lot of events. <laughs> and, you know, for me, uh, like I say, it's, it's, uh, it's a special place for me. And yeah, and I, and I saw your return there, and uh, I saw how that crowd embraced you. And and you know, a lot of players get when you when you go back home, you know, you you get a lot of accolades and and, and a lot of love. But the way they treated you, that that's not something that's not the norm right there. And when I uh, when I was watching it just as a fan, I thought that's an over the top celebration for a for a guy that played there for a long time and that city truly bro, loves. That you, was cool. That imagine, was cool to watch. 13, that w- 13 are bad, bro. 13 are bad. 14 player parents. 13 are bad, bro. A standing ovation, bro. Like, I'm not respecting that. Those three days, a standing ovation. Like, until yeah. I didn't tip my cap, like, they didn't sit down. It was crazy. And Jody, man, like, I mean, I feel yep. sorry for the pitcher because he had to go through a routine. But Jaddy was so classic and special. People think that Jaddy and I, we talk about it and we plan this. No, dude. Like, that's who Jaddy is. Like, it was so special, bro. I mean, they walked me one time and, and they were booing Waka, I think. And then they, I think Hassan threw a pitch opening and they were booing him. I mean, I mean, it was a number. You're talking about I had some special, special moment in my career. You know, the three home run gang in the World Series in 2011, the home run against Brad Lech and all that. Like, I got some special moment in my career. But going back to St. Louis last year tapped everything that I have accomplished. I mean, it was, it was pretty emotional. It was pretty special. And that's something, you know, that I will always treasure forever. You talk about, um, you talk about in St. Louis, uh, you had a chance to play with Big Mac in in his mm-hmm. in his final time there in St. Louis, and you said he he was kind of a mentor to you, and he kind of mm-hmm. taught you the ropes, you know, kind of passing the torch. Now you're in, uh, you play for the Angels, and and you know, I, I guess the consensus is, and I got to, I, I I paid a little more attention to Mr. Trout this year because I was covering some things for uh, some stations, and and I really watched him. Man, he's really good. But now <laughs> more than you're, you're, you're in the position. <laughs> you're in the position now of of the McGuire was in mentoring you. You're mentoring. I, I think it's across the board. It's kind of unanimous. The best player in the game. Now, just for the record, for for the <laughs> for Boone on the record. I got to go with Albert Pujols in his first 10 years over the great Mike Trout. That's just my personal opinion. But what's it like now, you in that mentor position, you know, mentoring probably the best player in the game? Yeah. Well, to me, I think, uh, you know, 
that's that was that's part of my responsibility right now, not just mental my travel, the the young players that come along this organization because that's what they did to me in St. Louis. And Trouty, man, you said it. He's he's more than a special. That kid, man, he does something different every day. I mean, they just say they you just go and say, Wow, did he just do that? And, you know, it's just a special talent. And I think the best thing out of that, you look at Trout and what you see is what you get, man. A young kid that loves the game of baseball, loves to win, comes from a humble family. I mean, he's their mom and dad. And, you know, they're such a great, great, great people. And um, Trout is, uh, you know, one of the best teammates that I had. I mean, he's just really great teammates. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, I mean, he's just a special kid. It's really special. And talents like Trouty, I mean, only comes once every 50, once every 100 years. And I think, you know, that's something that I'm going to tell my grandkids one day. I, I got the, the opportunity and the blessing to be able to play with one of the best players in the game, you know, for, for whatever longer he wants to carry, whether it's 15, 20 years, whatever, you know. And, uh, you know, he's on the way to be a, a first ballot Hall of Fame. You know, hopefully he can stay healthy. And I might be coming around, you know, after I'm done, and he's going to be passing some of my records that I <laughs> that I have established. And, and I'm going to enjoy that more and more, you know, because I had seen him, you know, coming in into the league. I mean, he was in the league for a little bit in 2011. He had a cup of coffee, like people say. And then 2012 was kind of almost his full season. And, and uh, I have seen him develop, you know, as a young player to this mature And, and 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 grown men, you know, and you know having a baby this year with Jessica. I mean, it was really excited. So I'm, you know, he just a, a great, great human being, you know. And I just happy, you know, to have it in my team. You ever think about the Hall of Fame? I I I, I don't want to get ahead of you're still playing. You ever think about it? Yeah, yeah. You see, you see a lot no, of your teammates, you know, ex teammates, go in. No, you know, Booney, I, I don't, I don't because uh, you know. You know one thing that I have learned in this game, and I think it's the best thing that helped me, is you can only control what you can control, you know? Just control what you can control. What do you control, Albert Pujols? Well, getting myself ready to play baseball, uh, lifting weight, whatever I had to do to get myself ready for spring training. Can you control the win and the loss at the end of the day? No, don't, don't think about that. Can you control your bat? No, don't think about that. Just prepare yourself and then see the ball and hit it. You know, hopefully you can go four for four. Hopefully, you know, you win. But, uh, you know, to, to think that for the future or to think into a Hall of Fame, you know, I, I try not to think about that. You know why? Because I wanted it to be special. I know it's going to be a special if it happens, but I want it to be special. So I think if I start thinking right now, I think by the time that that happens, Like, I'm going to spoil it, you know, like it won't be as, uh, I'm going to look at it as like, oh, dude, that was it, you know? So I want it to be special. So I try not to think about it. Same thing. People ask me, oh, you ever think about 500? Do you ever think about 600? Oh, you ever think about, no, guys, I don't. All I'm thinking about is how can Albert Pujols help his ball club to win tonight and stay healthy? And if I can do that, that's it. At the end of the day, you know, I've done that for 20 years and my success part of that, uh, You know, I would give all the credit and all the glory to God and, and my family and then the coaches that I have. But at the end of the day, that's, that's the only thing that I have learned. Only control what you can control, Albert. Don't, don't get ahead of yourself, you know. And, and that's pretty much how, how I have, uh, you know, treated my whole career. 
What is the key to play 20 years in the big leagues? It's pretty awesome. Not too many people have done it. <laughs> What's kept you going? Hey, it's got to be it's got to be a lot more than clean living. Let me know. What is it? <laughs> the key, bro, is uh, trying to don't take anything for granted and work hard. I was with Tony LaRusso a couple of weeks ago. I was doing an event in Vegas, and he can tell you. I mean, I walk into the clubhouse every spring training and say, my goal this year is to try to make the ball club. And that was it. Try to make the ball club. I don't care. I knew I was going to be in the team, but that was the attitude that I brought in 2001, and that's the attitude that I'm keeping even to this day, 20 years later, you know. Uh, don't take anything for granted because when you think you got it, buddy, uh, you don't. That's when oh, the battle oh, baseball, thing, you know, kick you in the butt and say, <laughs> this, <laughs> this game will not, you know, it'll knock you down for sure. Yeah. I, so and I your boy Tony's me. back. What do you think about that in Chicago? Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's decided I gave him a little bit of crap, you know, the other day. I was like, damn, 76 years old, are you sure? No, Tony is the best, man. It's going to be good. Uh, I think Chicago, they're going to have a really good team. And if if he does, if, if, if he, you know, he called me and, and told me what I thought about it. I was like, Tony, if you're going to go, you want to go somewhere that you can win. And I think Chicago is one of the teams that have a pretty good chance to win this year at their World Series, you know. I mean, they got Braille, they got you know, Randall behind the play, they got Anderson, they got all that talent, you know, I mean, on the young, you know, those young kids, Cuban kids, I mean, they have a really, really, really good ball club, so, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm always wishing him the best, you know, wishing him the best, I said, when we play against him this year, I want to win him again, you know, so, but back to the question, you know, the key to have success, man, is, is just work hard, man, don't take anything for granted, you know, and, uh, you know, until that day that you take that jersey off and then you hang it and you say, you know, I'm done. Then now, you know, I can do play golf, no relax, you know. I remember Sean Dunstan used to say, I always used to miss with Sean Dunstan. I was like, Sean, how are you sleeping today when he was playing? He's like, oh, man, like this, like nightmare, 0 for 4, 0 for 4, 0 for 5. And I'm like, how are you sleeping right now? He's like, I'm sleeping like a baby. I don't have to worry about, about anything. You know, I'm not playing. So I'm sleeping like a baby. So I guess I think, uh, you know, sometimes you need to think like that. You know, this game is so tough. And I think as a hitter, as a player, we are so hard on ourselves because we want to be perfect and execute all the time. But we know that we cannot be perfect all the time. You know, that we're going to give more to the game than what the game is going to give us. So... I think when we learn that, especially in a young age, I think you, you're able to have success in this level. All the numbers, all the years for Albert Pujols, uh, past and present, who do you like to watch hit? Who would I like to watch hit? Wow. Present right now, uh, Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera to me is probably the best right-hander here that I ever seen. I mean, Miguel Cabrera is just pretty amazing. Uh, pass, uh, Manny Ramirez. I mean, Manny Ramirez, uh, you know, I, I love the way that Manny used to make adjustments. You used to make Manny look so bad on the slider. I don't know. I think sometimes I, I, I need to ask Manny that. I'm like, Manny, will you set in pitchers 
you know, to, to look yourself bad. So when you get bases loading or, or man on base looking in for that pitch and knock it out of the park, I don't know. I need to ask him that question. But Manny Ramirez was one of the best right-hander hitters that I've seen and the, the way that he makes the, the approach and makes the game look so easy, you know. But he was one of the hard workers, too. The people thought that Manny Ramirez, oh, because the way that he played the game, oh, he's lazy, he's that. Manny Ramirez was always early, watching video, getting in the body cage, getting his weight lifting in, and then playing the game. And I think he, I just saw, like, last month that he just went to Australia to play, I think. He's still <laughs> he, playing. He's playing at, like, 50. Yeah, like, he's still <laughs> playing, you know? So, I mean, that's how passionate this guy is, you know? But, uh, you know, Miguel Cabrera, man, is something. Uh, that kid is really special. That kid's really special. And I remember Miguel Cabrera, you know, in 2003 when when he was uh, – we first played in the instructional league, you know, in 99 together. But, man, when he came out with the Marlins in 2003, man, that kid was just rising. You, you see it. You see that he was going to be, you know, the player that he has become, you know. And, and like all of us, you know, because the injuries that we have sometimes, you know, uh, it's hurting our body, and yes, our number go down. You know, Miguel Cabrera number were down last year because the injury that he had the year before. But I, I think that he's gonna bounce back hopefully next year and, and, and finish his career strong. Well, it's funny too. You bring up Miguel Cabrera because the first time I met you and, and got to see you play, uh, you know, I had a certain impression. When I saw Miguel Cabrera play, like you said in 2003 when he came out, I thought this guy reminds me of Albert. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, your, numbers are, your numbers are a little, <clears throat> your numbers are a little, <clears throat> you got a, a few more numbers than him, but very <laughs> similar hitters, very similar hitters. I was looking through Miguel. It's so weird because before I, before we did this podcast, I was looking at Miguel because I always think of Albert and Miguel because for some reason you guys are just similar, similar in stature, mm-hmm. similar, just your years, man, he, he won yeah. a triple crown. I said, Who's the last person other than Miguel Cabrera to win a triple crown? So it's funny you mentioned him because, uh, uh-huh. yeah, it, man, what a hitter he is. What a hitter he is. Uh, I know, I know uh, throughout your career, Albert, you've been, you've been real passionate about giving back to the fans, and, and you do a lot of charity work, and, and I know that's important to you. Uh, explain to the audience a little bit about what you do for charity. Yeah. Well, I had the Pujols Family Foundation. We established our foundation in 2005 in San Luis, and we do a lot of work. Uh, as you know, I have a daughter, Isabella, who's turning 24 tomorrow. Uh, you know, she has Down syndrome. So, uh, you know, we created the foundation in 2005 to help the community in San Luis uh, and the family, you know, in the Down syndrome uh, community. And, you know, through that, we are able to spend uh, here to Orange County, Kansas City, Nashville for a little bit. And then also as well as Dominican Republic, you know, we, you know, 15 years later, we went from doing five events a year to now doing over 120 and plus events a year. Um, And that's something that's really special, you know, making trips down to the Dominican Republic, taking dentists and doctors and and set up a program, building churches, home, baseball field, clean water. You know, we have partnered with a lot of different organizations over the last 15 years, you know. And I think that that is my passion, brother. You know, that's something that I, when I'm done playing, I'm looking forward to get more involved, 
making more trips down to the Dominican Republic and getting more involved with the foundation more than, than, than what I am because, you know, obviously my schedule, you know, it's hard during the season, you know. But uh, that's something that, you know, I have a great team uh, with, with, with me working at the foundation. That they're the one that deserve all the credit back in San Luis. Jane Cooper, you know, and Tal Perry, who's our director of the foundation here, Kristen Rowland, who lives in San Diego. She runs the, the Southern California, you know, uh, program. So it's, uh, you know, we'd be able to, to see, to make a difference in the community, but we cannot do that without our support or the sponsor and the fans, you know, and, and people that donate their money and their time uh, for us to, to change life, you know, here in the community. And I think I go back, you know, that's that as a professional baseball athlete, that's part of the responsibility that comes with it, you know. Uh, what can you do with that talent the guy's given me? And, and that's something that I'm really passionate about, about giving back. Uh, two things, you cannot take it with you, you know. So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, try to help and, 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 and to make a difference, you know, whether it's in the community that you play, whether it's your country where you're from, whether it's, uh, getting involved with the organization or whatever it is, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's about giving back and, and making a difference, you know, and we do, we've done a great, great work uh, through the Post Family Foundation, you know, early in the year, you know, through COVID, uh, everybody knows, you know, everybody got hit really hard, not just here in the United States. I think the whole world had really, really, uh, you know, hard time with this pandemic, even to right now. And we were able to provide, you know, uh, uh, through the foundation about 10,000, you know, families, you know, food for a week. And, and that's something that at that time when that happened, I mean, they were in really need. They needed it, you know. Now we were able to make some masks and, and you know, I think over 5,000 or 10,000 masks that we give it in the community down in the, in the Dominican so a lot of great things is happening, you know, even though we're going through some tough time right now, a lot of great things is happening through the Spurs Family Foundation, you know, and uh, creating programs, creating programs not only for for kids with special needs, but also for adults, you know, uh, dance syndrome, uh, adult dance syndrome. I think that's something that is hard because, you know, as you get older, you know, those kids uh, need more programming and, and more and clinics. Uh, I think uh, in St. Louis, we partnered with St. Luke's, and we were one of the first clinics that opened up in the state that were able to, to treat and to allow these this Down syndrome adults to come and train and, and get physical therapy and, and, and whatever they need. They, they came in, you know, once or twice a week and, and get help. So through the foundation, we've done a lot, buddy. We've done a lot, and I'm really, really blessed. I'm really, really proud of our team, and, and I don't take any of that. Uh, for myself, it's, it's not about myself, man. It's about them. They deserve all the credit and, and the people that support the foundation. And it's the Pools Family Foundation that org. Okay. Well, that, you know, that that's awesome. And, uh, man, Albert Pujols, one of the best to ever do it, still doing it. I'm going to be... You know I'll be watching you. You're one of us. You're one of the old guys. <laughs> You're one of the few guys I can watch and go, yeah, I played against him for a while. There's not too many of them left. But, Albert, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and doing this and uh, all the great work you do, like you said, in the community. And, and 
just how great you are for the game. The machine uh, chasing <laughs> records, baby. And I'm going to be right there pulling for you and watching you. I appreciate you doing this. And the one thing we do in the Boone podcast at the end is we allow uh, the fans to ask a couple questions. So Dan Levy is going to come back and uh, issue those questions. Hi, Danny. Al- Hi, awesome, Albert. Mark. How are you? <laughs> You know what? I got to tell you, a lot of the times, you know, when when Brett's doing these interviews, I'm always kind of in the background, kind of just making sure that all the things are correct and I give you the proper credit. But this has been a really, 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 really good podcast. I really enjoyed the the conversation between the two of you. You guys are are really knocking this one out of the park. Couple of questions I got for you. Booney, Booney's always been good to me, man, and his brother. You know, I think Karen and Booney, you know, I mean, the Booney whole family, you know. <laughs> Boone is awesome, <laughs> and he's actually about to they're, put me on a diet, so I'm going to hate him for about a month. They're pretty, they're pretty special. And don't let you fool you, man. That golf gang is pretty good, too. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard. I've heard he's pretty good. We had Ken Griffey Jr. on, and he asked for Boone to spot him a couple of uh Spot yeah, him a couple points. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Don't let him be a sandbagger. Sandba- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Albert. The question I have for you is this, and because I live in Chicago, I do it out of Chicago, and you guys brought up Tony LaRusso already. And we all know how good of a manager he is and how he was to you. The question for you is this, and the question for you in Chicago is this. How will Tony LaRusso relate to today's baseball players? A lot of people in Chicago are very worried, and they don't think that he will be able to do so. I'm on the other side. I think that they're going to love him. What are your thoughts of how the players are going to receive him as their new manager? Well, I think they're going to embrace him pretty well. I mean, I think, you know, one of the guys that reached out to me was Abreu. Was Abreu, you know, and, uh, you know just kind of like, hey, what, what are your thoughts? And you're like, brother. You're never going to play with a manager like Tony. I'm like, you guys going to love this guy. And I think the best thing about it, when you got veteran guys like Randall, Abreu, you know, Anderson, and, and the other guys, and then you have a really good mix, like compare our team with the Cardinals from 2001 to 2011. Look at the mix of young talent and veteran talent. And I think that's why you see this year uh, going into next year with Chicago. The White Sox, they have that talent. They have that veteran leadership, and they have that young talent that you know that sooner or later they're going to be a leaders too. And I think it's the same thing, you know. And I was with him, uh, you know, about 10 days ago doing his event in Vegas, and we talk about all that. You know, he asked me, uh, you know, some questions. I'm like, hey, how can I approach, you know, some of these young players? And I'm like, Tony, you won't have any problem with that because I think – you have really, really good young talent that want to listen to you, and then you also have good veteran guys. So don't be surprised if he just walk in there and do, and it's, it's, it'll be like a red carpet because Tony knows how to approach players. I can tell you that. It doesn't matter if it's a veteran guy or if, it, if it's a young um, player. Tony knows how to use words, and how to give them the time, how to approach players, and I think that's something – that they're going to love about Tony that's really special. And Tony's transparent, too. Hey, Tony tells you the way it is. To Tony, it's about winning, but it's about building a relationship long, 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 long ago. And, and that's why I still, 20 years later, you know, I have a relationship with Tony like it's a, you know, like a father to me because, you know, the way that he has treated me and the way that he treats others, you know, and what he does in the community, you know, uh, too. You know, he gives back a lot. And it's never about Tony La Russa. It's all about the organization and the player. Tony is just a manager. And that's something that's really special that they're going to see. There's never going to be 
oh, I did this, I did that. No, no, it's about the organization and the players. And I'm just and, the, and I'm just jumping in the boat with there. That's something that they're going to find out about Tony La Russa. And I'm really excited for him. I'm really excited for him, you know. That's fantastic. Now, you were in St. Louis and you played first base. Then you went to California and you've been a DH ever since. Do you want to see a universal DH? Do you want to see that happen in Major League Baseball? Or are you kind of like playing first base there too? Well, I think uh, I think it'd be good because it can open uh, the doors for other players, you know, to get more jobs. Uh, I think, obviously, if you talk to Berlander or Wainwright, they say no because those guys like to hit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if you talk to guys that like to hit, they're going to say no, you know, because they like to hit. But I think at the end of the day, I think it'll be – more fine for baseball and it'll be more fine for, uh, you know, for the fans and everything else. And it's going to open more jobs, you know, for, for many, many, many other people. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it'll be good because that allow me, you know, time to play probably a couple of more years. Who knows? <laughs> I understand that. There's also the rule of, uh, they start the second inning with a runner on second. Do you like that rule? Are you a fan of that rule? Yeah, I know. I, I, I really, you know, but it is what it is. I know people want to come and, and want to finish, you know, and, 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 and want the games to go so quick. But it's, it's weird. I think for me, at the end of the day, you, you live again the way it is. Uh, it was really weird to, to use that rule this year when it happened, several, which we used it like three or four times. I don't think we ever won a game against training, but... <laughs> It's, it was really, uh, it was really hard, man. It was really hard to get used to, you know. But hey, it is what it is. Like I say early in the in the show, you know, you have to get adjusted to different rules, and and this is one of them, you know. So uh, if that's what it is, you just need to make an adjustment, and pitcher needs to make an adjustment, and now make a better pitch, you know. All right, the last one is actually for the both of you because both of you are such great. Or such, one is a great hitter, one was a great hitter. The question for you is for both of you. Plate discipline. A lot of players don't really show that anymore. A lot of them are just swinging for the fences. The both of you guys have mastered the trick of plate discipline. What is the trick to that? And how come a lot of players aren't really grasping that at this moment? Well, I can speak on um, like now they're just thinking about hitting the home run. That's out of the ballpark. That to me was never the key. For me, it was always about, you know, hitting 300. I think if I... If I'm able to hit 300, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna be able to help the team out because I'm gonna hit with men in scoring position. I'm gonna drive more runs, and then because I thought like that, I was I calling myself a line drive hitter with power. I don't call myself a home run hitter, even though I had 662. I never go out there and try to hit a, a, a ball out of the ballpark. Booney can tell you. I can tell you. You know how difficult it is to hit a ball out of the ballpark. Anybody in practice when you know what's coming. Imagine now and again how hard is that. So I tell people, I'm like, you know what? I, I always try to just just take a good body in practice. And, you know, you get sometimes good street where you get caught up and, and get on the road. And he, like, five or seven hundreds in a week. And then you go cold and go two or three weeks without hitting one. Like, it's so difficult. But if you can tell yourself, I'm going to put some good quality or bad tonight. And then you do that for everything. Literally, I mean, it's a grinder. You know, it's hard to do it every single night and have that mentality. But if you focus on that, I'm telling you that your numbers at the end of the year are going to be 
out of the moon, you know. But if you go out there and try to hit the ball out of the ballpark, trust me, at the end of the year, and your number ain't gonna look too good. And I don't know, I, I don't know. That's what I think, Booney. I don't know what you think. Well, <clears throat> Albert, I mean, you're, you're playing in it right now. You're playing in this era, so you're going to be up front and and see things that I don't see as an ex player. My just brief synopsis on it is: the great ones are still great, and they still have that great discipline. the The thing that I saw, especially this year, because it was that tempered sixty game schedule is I saw a lot of guys hitting 186, 196. And, and you said that, you know, the punch outs are way up, the, the strikeouts. Uh, the velocity is up from, from on the pitching side. So I, I think that's a give and take. But I, but I think you're right. It's not about the home run, you know. And, and, and in my generation, uh, the last thing I ever thought about doing was hitting a home run. I want to get a good pitch to hit it and hit it as hard as I can somewhere. If it goes out of the park, it goes out of the park. And, you know, my, my mentor kind of on the hitting side was Edgar Martinez. We had him on recently and he always preached to me, Brett, you play the game, right? And if that means moving that runner to third, that means moving that runner to third. If there's a runner on third, less than two outs, that infield's back and you got to hit a seven hopper to the shortstop that scores a run. That's how you play the game. And I don't see that that much in today's generation. Like I said, I still think the great hitters are the great hitters. And they do it and they control the strike zone. But I think uh, just kind of we've gotten away from it a little bit because so much emphasis is put on the home run. And I still think, and, and I know Albert agrees, and we, we discussed it and, uh, during our, our conversation is, the big thing for me, RBI guys are still the RBI guys. When the game's on the line, everything's out there. I want that man up that has the most <laughs> the most numbers in front of that RBI column because that's the one I want at crunch time to drive him in. That's fantastic. All right, the last question I have for you is this, and that, I'll say this. How many questions do you have, Dan? I got, that's like, the last question I got five the last times. One. I got the last one. Last one. And it's not really that. You actually did a TV show with Shaquille O'Neal about a home run contest. Do you have any good stories of being with Shaq when he was trying to out-home run you? Is that me? That would be you, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, he actually got a decent swing, you know. Uh, the only downside of that is, like, you know, the hundreds that he was hitting, and they were kind of like by three and mine by one. So, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, I ended up beating it, but it was – it was really, uh, it was really, really fun. That was in 2009, San Luis. We did a Shaq versus Pujols, and it was really, uh, really a fun time. What a great guy, you know, Shaquille is. I mean, really, really fun guy to be around. Uh, you know, AJ was really little at that time. He was like eight years old, and he really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it myself. But, uh, you know, I was really surprised how, uh, how good of a swing he had. You know, it was it was for such a big guy like that, you know? Sure, sure. Well, Albert, thank you so much for joining us. And again, if you want to go ahead and fo- follow Albert Pujols, he would be on Twitter at Pujols5 on Twitter. My name is Dan Levy. This has been the Brett Boom Podcast. If you want to go ahead and follow Brett, you can follow the former All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Golden Glover at the Boom 29. For all of us here at the Brett Boom Podcast, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you guys in a little while. Take care. Have a good one.